This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good morning. It is Friday, November 13th. You're listening to the College Football Daily. My name is Trey Scott. Well, we have a weekend of college football, a weekend of sports. It's going to be a little strange as I record this right now on Thursday afternoon. I'm watching the Masters, fall leaf foliage at Augusta National. And, you know, I think I think it's fair to say that the Masters might occupy a lot of the college football attention this weekend, especially down in SEC country where four games have been canceled and three will be played. In fact, this is the first weekend in over 10 years I saw this. Chris Falica, uh, the bear on College Game Day, tweeted that for the first time since 2009, this weekend's slate will not feature a matchup between ranked opponents. So that's it's not the best weekend. There, there were a lot of cancellations. There was a late one Wednesday night. Ohio State versus Maryland is canceled. And I saw Patrick Murphy, our friend, at Bucknuts wrote about this. Check this out. So Ohio State is going to play Indiana in a few weeks. And the expectation is that Ohio State's going to win that game. It's they're they're better than Indiana. They're they're the best team in the Big 10. They're clearly a top 4 team in the country. The problem is since Ohio State already had its game canceled against Maryland for this weekend because of contact contact tracing issues for the Terps that Ohio State is in a little bit of a predicament here if it loses another game read this listen to this from Patrick Murphy assuming the Ohio State and Indiana game still happens the winner would be in the driver's seat in the Big Ten East but if for some reason that game is not played the Buckeyes would be down to just six games for the season and down two divisional games to Indiana. And that's because the Ohio State season started with a game against Nebraska, a Big Ten West foe. Meanwhile, Indiana is 3-0 in the Big Ten East. Because of the Big Ten's various tiebreakers, if Indiana and Ohio State do not play, therefore giving Ohio State the heads-up, or the the head-to-head advantage, and Indiana ends up having two more games in Ohio State, then Indiana would get the spot, assuming they went out and take care of business, they would get the spot in the Big Ten championship game in Indianapolis. I don't think the Big Ten people were thinking about that when they made their tiebreaker scenarios. So that would be something else. And as far as the playoff race goes too, Texas A&M, we keep talking about how can the Aggies get into the playoff they're not going to play against Tennessee this week, and they've got contact tracing and COVID issues going on. And it looks like they, they might also miss next week's game against Ole Miss, just given how many people they could be down. So you take two games from A&M's resume, eh, that's, that's potentially 
an issue for the Aggies. I'm going to run through the rest of the slate, the, the games that are catching my eye. It's a multi-screen weekend. Again, the Masters is on, and that's this isn't a Masters podcast, but hey, look, if, if college football isn't going to give us much goodness, then, then I'll watch the golf. All right, so first of all, it was a great week of action. Just, just fantastic. Uh, Western Michigan was down 10 with like a, a minute left and, and beat Toledo on Wednesday night. So that was, that was pretty good on Saturday. I think the game of the day is Miami at Virginia tech. Miami is in the top 10. Virginia tech just lost to Liberty. Virginia tech's coach, Justin Fuentes on the hot seat. Do they have the money to pay his buyout? Probably not. And yet Virginia tech is favored by two points. Something's weird. That that's that's hard to figure out. Dear King, I mean, this is gonna be a highest scoring game. Miami has to win to keep its its hopes alive in the ACC title game race to to get there to Charlotte. Virginia Tech, an up and down season started out with those COVID issues. By the time they got quarterback Hendon Hooker back, they really hit their stride. But an unforgivable loss to Hugh Freeze's Liberty Flames last week has again has Fuente just just hissing off has Fuente just riling up the fan base. Virginia Tech needs to win that game. So maybe they will. They are favored. Uh, Indiana at Michigan State. We keep waiting for the other shoe to drop for Indiana. I don't know if it'll be on Saturday. Michigan State, meanwhile, loses to Rutgers, beats Michigan, gets blasted by Iowa. That suggests that if they're going every other game being competitive on the field, they'll probably look pretty good against Indiana. Notre Dame at Boston College. Can the Fighting Irish avoid a post-Clemson hangover? Notre Dame is a almost 14-point favorite at this point. That thing opened at like 11 and a half. And Boston College quarterback Phil Dracovic, don't forget, transfer from Notre Dame. He's probably going to have something to prove. Jeff Halfley coaches a really solid program, but Notre Dame... They probably have confidence now. They beat Clemson, number one team in the country, last week. They've got the monkey of the big game off their back. Can they avoid a letdown? Everyone's talking about the letdown. So when everyone talks about the letdown, that means that they're more likely to avoid it. USC against Arizona. Hopefully this will be Arizona's first game of the season. You just never know with the Pac-12. Like I could I could press in record right now and, and bad Pac-12 news would drop at 11 o'clock at night. But hopefully USC gets to play. Arizona, they're 14-point favorites. Arkansas at Florida. So Florida's a big-time favorite here, 18 points. This is really an interesting one, though. Florida, just like Notre Dame, has let down potential here after their big win over Georgia. They won't have star tight end Kyle Pitts. Their offense bogged down when he went out against Georgia with that concussion. Arkansas has played fabulous football this season. Quarterback Felipe Franks, again, a transfer from Florida has something to prove. Coach Sam Pittman will not be on the sidelines. He has COVID-19. Defensive coordinator Barry Odom has some coaching experience after being the head coach at Mizzou for four years, and he'll be the head coach. I bet you he's got something schemed up pretty good for Dan Mullen. I don't know if it's enough to win, but this this feels like a, a chance for Arkansas, which always plays better than people expect, to give Florida a really weird night in Gainesville. Oregon at Washington State. All right, so the name you guys need to know here, the team you need to know is Oregon, but the name you need to know is Washington State quarterback Jaden DeLora from St. Louis High School in Honolulu, Hawaii. 
Same school that produced Tua Tungavailoa and Marcus Mariota before him. Delora threw for two touchdowns, ran for another in a win last week against Oregon State. He's going to be pretty good. And I, I did I did an article this week on the stock report for true freshmen to watch this season. Delora might end up being the quarterback of the year for all true freshmen just because there aren't that many other guys. He was a four-star in 24-7 sports' rankings. It seems like he's going to be a fun one for Nick Rolovich and the Cougars for at least three more years. Can, can it be enough? Can he be enough to beat Oregon? Probably not. I know some Ducks fans were upset with how their offense played in a week in a win last week against Stanford. But once Tyler Shuck, their quarterback, gets going, I think this team's going to hit another gear. An interesting part of this game is, for many of us, it will be the first time we sit down and really watch Oregon versus Washington or and watch Oregon play football this year. Last week's game against Stanford was prime time, but it coincided with the Notre Dame Clemson game. So most people did not watch it, but it's it's time to get a look at the Pac-12's best team. Wisconsin at Michigan. <laughs> ABC, 7.30 Eastern. Wisconsin's a favorite. The line keeps going up in their favor. I don't even know if they're going to have quarterback Graham Mertz back. If they don't, it's going to be Danny Vandenboom. People are betting on Wisconsin, despite the fact that they haven't played football in weeks. They've had contact tracing issues. We don't know who's out. We don't know who's in. But I think that's just an indictment on how we feel about Michigan right now. It's a, it's a team not to trust. And as a team that you you could say every week, no, this is a week Michigan's going to do it. Certainly they'll beat Indiana after losing to Michigan State. Nope. Fall flat. I don't know. I kind of feel like Michigan gets it done. I think I'm just getting tricked again. I feel like they have to get it done. I can't imagine Michigan being one and three, but here we are. That's that's, that's pretty much it. I'm sorry if I left your team off. Um, it's going to be one of those weekends where you just it's going to feel like that like week two or week three in September, September 18th, 19th weekend, where there was really there was really nothing good happening on the college football tube. I, the the uh, premier game that week was Miami versus Louisville. And you just kind of say, all right, well, it's football. I'm not going to complain about it. Hopefully we have a better slate next week. Hopefully these college teams now with the Halloween party incubation period passing, hopefully these teams can get their COVID-19 issues under control and we can go back to having a more robust slate in November because October was awesome. We probably took it for granted, but here we are anyway. Um, also today on the college football daily we're going to do a clip i like doing a friday clip from another podcast across the network it kind of takes something off my plate and it lets you guys hear different voices and different perspectives we're going to listen to the 24 7 sports football recruiting show between blair angulo and brandon huffman they're talking about the dead period being reportedly likely to be extended through april 15th of 2021 that's according to dennis dodd of cbs sports That'll be over a year of a dead period, which bars in-person recruiting. So no, no in-person visits, no, no flights to the player's living room or their high school. That's just crazy. The domino effect of this over the next five years, I'm almost scared to see it. College coaches have had to really adapt and adjust to the Zoom environment like we all have in 2020. Players, if they want to go to campus, have had to organize that on their own with college coaches not involved. Although I'm sure there's some wink-wink scenarios there, but you saw Oklahoma do it. We've seen Georgia do it, LSU do it. Early signing period's coming up. 
early signing periods coming up, coming up and a lot of these kids are going to be signing uh, between the window of December 16th and the 19th without ever having stepped foot, officially at least. Um, and by that officially, I mean uh, as one of the five official visits you get without ever having stepped foot on that campus. Don't get me wrong. Many players will have seen their school. Many players, though, will have will be signing sight unseen. So I'll be interested to see what the December signing period looks like. When it first happened, the, the first signing period, December of 2017 for the 2018 class, we thought, okay, might be just like a small little signing day. No, it was massive. And the percent of committed players signed and players signed has just gone up every year. Last year's signing period on early signing day, something like 88% of all committed players sign. If you're committed and you don't sign on the early signing day, you kind of get a scarlet letter on your name. You're kind of like a, a soft commit. You are a soft commit. You're, you're certainly not a signee. As for the uncommitted players in the class of 2021, there are a lot of them, a lot of good ones left. The number two guys on the board, JT Tui Moloau and Corey Foreman, West Coast kids, both are uncommitted. Those guys, those guys are definitely not making a decision before December. I saw Brandon Huffman was saying that JT Tui Moloau might wait till after the February signing day to make his. So that's it's going to be it's going to be crazy to to see what happens in a month to see if we get a lot of decommitments in a month to see if we get a lot of kids saying hey I didn't get to visit this campus I don't feel comfortable doing this I'm not going to make any moves I'm going to try to get to February and try to wait to see what happens unfortunately though as we just mentioned there won't be any live periods of recruiting before February signing day anyway with this with this um, dead period going all the way to April so. That's sort of related to what Huffman and, and Angula are going to talk about. We're going to cue it right now, but I just wanted to set the table there and lay out what exactly it means to not have visits and how that's going to affect this recruiting class and then the 2022 recruiting class as well. We've never seen anything like this in recruiting. It's it's really difficult to navigate, I'm sure, for the for the coaches, for the kids, for the parents. I know for our reporters and scouts, it's been really hard to make any adjustments or any um evaluations on kids when you only get so many games or only get so many limited in-person appearances. So anyway, we're going to take a quick break. The next voices you hear will be Blair and Brandon. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% 
15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast Hey, what's good? It's another edition of the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. My name is Blair Angulo. In a quick moment, we will be joined by Brandon Huffman. He's a national recruiting editor for 24-7 Sports to discuss all the latest in the recruiting world as games across the country are postponed and canceled. The college football season has been shaky throughout the week, but recruiting is still going strong. We are about five weeks away from the early signing period in the middle of December, so you've got a lot to catch up on over at 24-7 Sports. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Please rate us. Please review us. If you leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts with a recruiting question, Question, you've got a chance to have it answered on an upcoming mailbag episode by one of our analysts on the 24-7 sports team. Who would have thought, but it's week 11 of the college football season, and this is the kickoff. According to a report by Dennis Dodd of CBS Sports, the NCAA Football Oversight Committee has recommended that the football recruiting dead period be extended an additional three and a half months to the middle of April. Now, what does this mean for recruiting in the 2021 class? It sounds like the early signing period will go as planned next month, and the traditional signing day will also happen in February. An extension of the recruiting dead period through the middle of April would mean that for 13 months, there would be no face-to-face contact between coaches and recruits, making this, without question, one of the most unique recruiting cycles of all time. Joining us now on the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast is the National Recruiting Editor for 24-7 Sports, Brandon Huffman, who, by the way, I'm, I'm supposed to see you this week, Huff. Yes, sir. It's been a long time coming. I think the last time we saw each other was in, in pre-corona times. Um, I feel like you came out to Southern California for an Under Armour camp. And yeah. yep, and and it was one of those things where it was like, hey, you know, uh, we'll see you next week, and then it, that's how it is every recruiting cycle. Uh, I see you basically more than I see my wife on, on weekends, um, but I haven't seen you since February. It's weird to say that. It's awful, you know. It's been a void that I've been trying to fill in other ways, and now that void will be filled this weekend. Finally, here in Southern California, in God's country, as you like to to call it. Yes, Huff, sir. Huff, there's been obviously some big news this week that was uh, scooped or, or kind of broken by Dennis Dodd over at CBS Sports. And it is the fact that the NCAA Division I Council is expected to vote next week 
to extend the dead period even further to mid-April. So it would extend it another four months or so. Uh, Right now, as things stand, the recruiting dead period has been pushed through uh, the end of the year. Um, And, you know, dating back, speaking of February, it's been a a thing that has been on the table since early this year. So the class of 2021, as, as it stands now, it doesn't look like they will be able to take official visits. You know, this was a year where the NCAA thought with literally no real backing to get rid of the month of February for any kind of on-campus visits. And, you know, keep in mind, people that follow recruiting, they know February is a crucial month. You obviously have the National Signing Day with the early signing period really taking over in December over the last three cycles. February is kind of, let's get our bearings straight. Let's get our final guys that we need to get in. But let's really ramp up the following class. Let's do junior days. Let's do, you know, meet and greets. Let's get guys on campus. If we have spring football, get them there to watch a couple practices. So they wiped out all of February. And other than about a 12-day window, you have a lot of schools that have never had recruits on campus. Or they were planning to do it late in spring, maybe when their own spring practice started. And because of the NCAA making February a dead period, you get that 12-day window. Now we're at about a 13-month from the time the NCAA set the first dead period in the middle of March, kind of hastily set it to what has now been set for or looking like it'll be set for April 15th. That's a 13 month span when coaches were not allowed to go on the road for the spring, go to camps in the summer, go to games in the fall, do in-homes in January. And that's a 13 month span that recruits are not able to even unofficially visit schools and meet with coaches. And schools were irritated by the February inclusion this year and Obviously, nobody foresaw a pandemic coming, but it just kind of showed you didn't need to fix what wasn't really broken. And now we're seeing more fallout as a result of that. Yeah, I don't know if there would be so many, I guess, recruits that were wondering had they seen enough, right? Because in February, like you mentioned, and in those first couple of weeks of March, it's so important for them to get out on the road and check out some schools. You mentioned the junior days. That's be, become a staple of a recruiting calendar. Um, I, I know out West, uh, a program like USC had a big junior day. Oregon had a big junior day, and that netted them a, a handful of commitments once everything really shut down. Because they were able, you know, they had the foresight, I guess, kind of eerily that they got all essentially all their top targets up to Eugene. And now we're seeing it pay off because they have a top five class and and they essentially sweeped through all their targets out West. Now, you know, this is pretty interesting because there's a quote in here from Dennis Dodd um, who, who, who spoke to Dan Mullen, the Florida coach. And, and Dan Mullen wondered if in the future, do they even let the coaches ever out on the road again? Now I'm going to, I'm not going to be that grim. I think it's going to happen eventually, but he brings up a good point because the NCAA could point to zoom calls, can point to video conferencing, can, can point to all the virtual stuff uh, and can even point to the fact that recruits are now able to send video of themselves working out for evaluations, uh, send out testing data, send out their film from their season. So everything has been done electronically here for this 2021 class and even further for the 2022 group and the 2023 guys that haven't, you know, at some point maybe not been even, 
even not even been able to meet with with coaches. Um, I, I'm not going to go quite that far. I, f- I feel like Dan Mullen um, is being a little bit dramatic, um, but it is something to to kind of monitor because maybe they don't take that fully away, but they could you know essentially maybe trim things down. Well, and I think that you're going to see a lot of schools just from a financial standpoint. They're going to see: Do we really need to be on the road those entire six weeks in the April and fifteen or April and May spring evaluation periods? Do we really need to send all of our coaches just to have them visible at camps that are at Division two or Division three schools, and maybe they're the draw? Will they spend as much time on the road in the fall during bye weeks or after the season's over and doing in-home visits? I think you're going to see a tightening of the belt in that sense, but I still think that. There is so much value in coaches going on the road during the spring evaluation period to watch guys work out, whether it's work, watching them work out in spring football, whether it's watching them work out, you know, when they're running track, maybe playing baseball, whatever it may be that they're doing during the spring. And more importantly, for those coaches, just be able to eyeball a kid where a kid maybe self-reports he's 6'2", 225, and they get out there and they see he's six foot 200. That's going to have a huge ramification on the kids recruiting. And I think because we're seeing so many guys – committing this year sight unseen both they're not seeing the school they're committing to and these coaches aren't getting a chance to see the guys they're taking commitments from you're going to see a push for coaches to get back on the road as soon as they practically can when the NCAA opens things up because they still want to do that but I do think where I agree with Dan Malone is I think there is going to be a, a maybe a lesser push to get coaches on the road because I think from a financial standpoint schools are not going to be able to afford to just so easily send coaches on the road. I think that maybe the days of, you know, coaches and you and I've talked about this on our old podcast, West of the rest, when you were in Arizona and you saw the, the helicopter that I can't remember who the player was, but there was a helicopter that went and saw multiple players. You know, you always talked about the private jets that, coaches jump on for in-home visits in December and into January. Are we going to see those kind of go away because schools are going to have to be more fiscally responsible. Uh, But I do think that there's still going to be the need to get on the road, at least in some capacity to get a full in-person evaluation of these guys that you are really, you know, promising four or five years of a very lucrative and valuable scholarship to. It was ASU, former ASU coach, Todd Graham, who's now at Hawaii, he was up in the in the devil copter, hopping from game <laughs> to game, uh, not having to worry about the traffic there in the Phoenix area. Um, but yeah, it, it, and that brings up a good point. I, I've spoken to a, a Mountain West recruiting assistant, and and he mentioned, hey, this pandemic has opened our eyes. You know, not only from a budget standpoint, because they were able to to really save a lot of money this year, not having to go out on the road and, and doing all that. But it, it, it you know, essentially has leveled the playing field. Every school now has the same amount uh, of time in a day and they don't have the luxury of being able to travel. And, and while some schools have a bigger budget for, for all that travel, for the airfare, for, you know, the constant stops at, at different schools, um, you know, now everyone is, is essentially on the same playing field. And I think, you know, it could create some, some interesting scenarios in, in recruiting the return of something that's very near and dear to our hearts last weekend. And that was Pac-12 football minus two games, of course, because you know, COVID and such, but uh, the, the, the return of Pac-12 football also brought 
a sense of, I want to say relief to a lot of recruits that are committed to Pac-12 schools. I I gathered thoughts from commits for for all the schools that took took the field, that were in action. And I I think for them, it was an assurance of sorts because they weren't able to take visits this year and and they weren't able to meet with with coaches in person. But to see the teams on the field, I think brought it a different type of joy. Well, and I think when you see the Mountain West beating the Pac-12 to play by two weeks, that even added just more salt into the wound. So I, I kind of felt like things are right. I wonder if we're going to see the 9 a.m. kickoffs happen, you know, when fans are back allowed in the stadium. But that, you know, how, how cool is it to wake up on Saturday morning? People don't understand how lucky we are on the West Coast. In a normal recruiting, I'm sorry, in a normal college football season, we get games starting at 9 o'clock. And with Pac-12 after dark, usually at 7.45 on an ESPN game, you're finishing this the day at 11.15, 11.30. So you get a good 14, 15 hours. And that's how Saturday worked out. You had Arizona State USC in the morning. You had a couple of games in the afternoon. Uh, you had what was it? It was UCLA and Colorado. And who was the other game? Oh, Stanford and Oregon. And then that night you had Washington State and Oregon State. So that was nice. It would have been you know great to have another Pac-12 after dark game. Washington and Cal supposed to be playing Utah and Arizona. But it's now feeling like the completion of the circle of life in football that the Pac-12 has finally seen themselves get back on the field, only to see that there's a couple of schools right now that are in jeopardy of not playing this weekend. Yeah, and obviously I think from a recruiting standpoint, it was important for the conference not to fall behind even further than than a lot of the other conferences. We've talked about how the top prospects across the West region are being plucked by the ACC, by the SEC. We're seeing some standout freshmen put put on some good performances, and these are players that typically would go to a USC, would go to to Oregon, would go to a, a Washington uh, out west. And uh, you know, for the conference to get back on the field, I think it, it's it's good news. Uh, if they had waited until January, I mean, I don't know if this season ever even takes place. And uh, you you know, you, you're essentially burning uh, your your whole database of recruits in your own states that you're trying to get. So I know a, a lot of the coaches and a lot of the recruiting staffs across the West Coast in those Pac-12 programs are happy to be back. And obviously, we're still waiting for a couple other programs to get going and, and fight off uh, the positive tests. But I think recruits are, are certainly taking notice. And, and recruits, uh, like Corey Foreman, are also trying to take measures into their own into their own hands, Huff. Yeah, you know, and he has been able to get out and check out a few schools. Uh, but he was supposed to get down to the Bayou this weekend and go check out LSU, where I believe the crystal ball is on LSU right now for him getting it down there for the LSU Alabama game. And again, that just shows you what a time we're living in, where in normal years, the LSU Alabama game might be the biggest recruiting spectacle in college football each and every year because those two teams play all the time. Usually it's in mid-November, so high school seasons are coming to an end. You get a lot more guys have the flexibility to get on the road, and that's always a, hu- a, hu- a who's who of top recruits. And so even without the NCAA allowing recruits on campus, in theory, there is still, if you get tickets, you can go watch the game, and this is going to give him an opportunity to go down there. And now with that game's postponement, you're not going to see that visit. And so even the – you know, the creativity of players to try to get on the road and see schools, even those are coming under 
not really not coming under fire, but they're coming under, you know, just the impossible task of knowing what games are going to be played from week to week. And so I, I think now with this news, and I, and I will say this, the NCAA finally coming out and extending the dead period once and for all for the 2021 class and, and really for the 2022 and 23s, if you really want to get down to it. But now knowing that visits won't be taken until April 15th with the unseeming, uh, with it not seeming like there's going to be any kind of movement on the December signing period or the February signing period, it makes it much more crystal clear to recruits. This is what you're going to have to do. If you want to see these schools, you're going to have to go out on the road on your own. You can't talk to the coaches. You can't really see the facilities, but you kind of have to take matters into your own hand because there just does not look to be any kind of promising news hanging over, you know, and being potentially down the road. We've seen all American games get canceled. We've seen high school seasons get canceled and postponed games getting canceled. And, you know, the 2021 class just can't seem to get a break whatsoever. You know, I, I do think, and I, and I will commend the NCA for for being proactive in this because we're about a month away until the early signing period, and, and this does give recruits at least a warning, right? It it sounds the alarms, and it says, "Hey, you know, there might not be visits until the spring." That's that's what we're lining up for, and so if a recruit is not ready to sign early in the middle of December, that at least gives him a bit more time to potentially get on the road and check out schools on his own. Now, the dead period obviously restricts in-person contact, in-person meetings, face-to-face meetings with coaches and, 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 and you know, but it, recruits are not restricted from going and taking visits on their own, checking things out by themselves with their family members, having an itinerary from the staff and, and making sure they know which spots on campus to hit. So I, I, I'm, I'm going to be interested personally to see how this affects the early signing period. Are we going to see a lesser amount of recruits sign early knowing that there will be no visits anyway? So they might as well drag it out and go check things out and, and or maybe buy themselves some time. Or will we see even more recruits sign because there is no hope for a visit later on and they might as well just jump on the offer that they have or, or lock up their spot in the recruiting class? I think it could go either way. I, I'm, I'm just I'm going to be really interested to see what it looks like next month. I think you're right, but I also think this is going to push the the discussions that have happened over the last few months about the one-time transfer with no sit-out penalty. Obviously, we've already got uncertainty and you know what roster sizes are going to look like with these years essentially not counting. But I think this is going to really force the NCAA's hand to say basically, hey, we we screwed you guys, but you let, wouldn't let you visit anywhere for 13 months. But we are going to institute this you know, ASAP that if you do transfer, you can play automatically without having to sit out a year, without having to file a waiver, without having to hire Tom Mars to try to get you in the immediate eligibility. I think we're going to see, you know, you thought the NCAA portal has been busy the last couple of years. It ain't seen nothing yet to what we're going to see in a year from now with so many guys being, and the reality is guys aren't making hasty decisions. There's a lot of pressure from these college programs to get these guys to commit and then the even deeper pressure to say in December, you need to sign then or your spot's gone. So I think the pressure coming from the top is forcing a lot of guys to make decisions to commit. It's going to make them decide to sign in December. In, in some cases, guys are being forced to feel like they have to skip their senior year if they're in a state that the season got pushed back so they can get on campus as soon as possible. So if the NCAA doesn't at least adjust on the fly, maybe it's a one-time thing, but maybe it's a long-term play that I think everybody benefits from a one-time transfer 
this is if there was ever a year for them to really adjust that it's got to be in the 2021 22 season because there's going to be a lot of guys that realize they got buyer's remorse that a zoom call that a virtual tour didn't quite give them the full experience like they had hoped but it was of no fault of their own yeah think of all the recruits that are going to sign next month during the early signing period that never actually stepped foot on that campus. I mean, it, it it's truly going to be mind-blowing, and it's going to be, like you said, I think they need to give them at least a year leeway to, to make sure that that was the right choice for them, give them no penalty if they decide to transfer, um, and then try to figure things out from, from there because we're living in unique times, and, and those are unique circumstances, and I think uh, all the recruits would would you know obviously uh, appreciate that uh, in terms of you know how their process played out. Brandon, it's been a pleasure. It's obviously great to hear your voice, and it's going to be great to see your face this weekend. Can't wait, Blair. All right, thanks to those guys for um, for doing their thing on the twenty four seven sports football recruiting podcast, and we have a great network at twenty four seven sports, so it's really easy to pull audio from those great shows anytime we want to. I hope everyone has a great weekend. Enjoy your football. At least we have football. We don't have many more weeks with football. Believe it or not, this season will be over. November to December is one. December to January is two. Two months? I think the title game might be two months from yesterday. So, wow. Let's just enjoy it. Um, and enjoy the Masters, too, if you're watching it. Enjoy, enjoy whatever you're doing. I hope everyone has a great week, and we'll talk to you on Monday for the next edition of the College Football Daily. on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus.